and he caught me and he rolled me over onto my back and he pinned my arms underneath his knees and he just wailed on my face over and over and over again. What is up everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we're all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. My name is Pete, coming to you from Vermont, and with me is my friend and co-host Todd, coming to you from Tacoma, Washington. What's up, Todd? What is going on, Peter? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah. I wanted to lead tonight's conversation off with something that you recommended to me that I'm really not enjoying. <laughs> okay. I can't even <laughs> wait to hear. So let's let's dive right in. <laughs> you are someone who I think is incredibly self-reflective and introspective, and you make quiet time for yourself to spend time with yourself. And I've voiced in past episodes that that is a struggle for me, and my day tends to be very loud with music, with podcasts, with interaction with people, and I don't take a lot of quiet time. Huh. So you suggested that I consider taking quiet time on my ride to and from school. And I have a 16-minute ride, and you suggested I go both ways, so I get over 30 minutes of self-time. And I said, I don't think that I can hack that, but I'll try one. So on the first day of school, I committed to driving to school every day in silence. No sports talk radio, which I normally listen to. And to be honest, I've stuck with it. I haven't missed a day, but I hate it. I am really struggling to enjoy that time and spend that time with myself. I did make the commitment to do the entire school year, never driving to school with any sort of noise. So I'm wow. going to stick with it, but it has not come easy. And I would not say I'm enjoying it, although I'm trying. Huh. Well, thanks for sharing. I have one question. Okay. You get one question. Okay. I, shoot. I wanted to, but okay. Uh, why don't you like it yet? Um, I think because I've really, for the last, was this is my 17th year teaching. For 17 years, I've been driving to school and listening to sports talk radio, and it's mindless, and I, and I really enjoy it. Hmm. And when I get in the car, I still find myself wanting to listen to it. So, um I think it's just old habits die hard. And I think that that's one that I'm going to stick with for 185 school days. But that. Um, oh, it's the school year, not the calendar year. Well, I don't really drive anywhere in yeah, the summer. Okay, yeah. okay, fair, fair. Yeah. I'll check back. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I want to uh, thank you for challenging me, but yeah. also let, let you know that, yeah, it's not an enjoyable <laughs> endeavor just yet. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes. Things can be uncomfortable at first. So for all the listeners out there, I want to tell you what interacting with Todd looks like sometimes. We normally record at a certain time, and things have changed a little bit as he's taking care of his parents. But the other day, on the day that we were supposed to record, I got a text and said, hey, I'm not going to make it tonight. I'm going on a bike ride. And I said, all right, cool. And then he, I, over the course of that following weekend, I receive a bunch of texts of Todd doing this, what looked like a really, really cool bike ride with really cool people, but I know nothing about it. So what did you do? I didn't tell you about the bike ride. How did that, how did that not even happen? <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure? 100%. Okay. Well, you're always doing really cool things and I'm always interested to hear about them and I really I, want to listen to I hear mean, about I don't them know if they're cool, but so did I ever tell you the story about my crazy cousin, uncle? I don't know. So I, I have know. this, he's my dad's cousin. So whatever that makes him to me, I don't know. I just call him my cousin, uncle. Anyways, uh, he was 
always he was always somewhere like along the fringes of my life. Like my dad's dad would have him over, and I would watch this guy grow up. He's a little bit older than me, and he's just a gigantic individual. He's probably I don't even know, probably six five, six six, maybe two. I don't even know two thirty now. And he's like, his feet are huge. Like everything about this guy is, is gigantic <laughs> and his name's Brian and he'll be listening. So Brian, I'm talking about you anyways. Uh, <laughs> he, he was very out of shape and I went to see, I went to a 10 year or, or a family reunion somewhere in this place called Lind Washington. And that's a whole nother episode, but um, it kind of where my family came from and he had stuck around and he was so grotesquely just out of conditioning and overweight and taking all these drugs. Like it was ridiculous. And I'm like, look, you're going to die if you don't like, this is going to be bad. Right. Yeah, whatever. And so I talked to his kids and his wife and all this for a very long time. And then suddenly he decided he was going to start losing weight. And so he went completely off the deep end and just started doing all these crazy things. And I said, okay, well, if you're going to do that of yours, you know, for yourself, anything that you think is crazy and challenging, just let me know and I'll go with you. And so now <laughs> this is like spinning out of control. Like we walked 50 miles in the complete monsoon one time. Um, and then the last time we did it, we walked hundred miles and then this time we biked 200 miles for, um, so now we've added nonprofit organizations and we uh-huh. raise money for all these different things. So this was a 200 mile bike ride was this instance of that craziness. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Where did so, you, where did you ride? So, um, it started in Beverly and it ended in a little place called, uh, Tico, Washington. So 200 miles across, um, the uh-huh. West side of the state in sub freezing temperatures on, you know, railroad ballast on mountain bikes. Yeah, I saw yeah. snow on the ground, and mm-hmm. you guys were uh, it looked like you were layered up in the pictures you'd sent. How long did it take you to do that ride? Yeah, um, we did. I don't. I don't have to put it together on the tracking um, for end to end on the ex- expedition, but um, three days. So we did three, three days. Months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was. Um, it was a lot harder than I thought. I thought we were going to make better time. That was tough. <laughs> it was huh. an arduous, arduous task. But yeah, nice. Thanks. Sorry, I didn't. Glad you made it back safely. Yeah. Thanks. Good stuff. Yeah. So for tonight, tonight's show, we're going to get into a five by five. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Yep. Um, for a quick review of what a five by five is on our show, a five by five is we have five questions. And between the two of us, we have five minutes to give our thoughts and answers to the question, which averages out to two and a half minutes apiece. The only caveat on this five by five is the last question, number five, we can, we have no time frame on that. We can kind of go on that however we want, because I think it's, going to warrant more than two and a half minutes a piece. Okay. So five questions. Let me get my timer ready. <laughs> so it's two and a half, and, a, a two and a half each? Ish, ish. Okay. <laughs> Nobody is holding the feet to the fire here. Okay. I'm going to put three. How about that? <laughs> All right. Question number one. And if you don't have anything that comes to your mind, I can share and then you can go off that. Or if you have something that's fresh, you can go first. Okay. So I'm going to give you the choice after I read the question. What is an issue in the field of health or wellness that more people should be aware of or talking about right now? I'll, go, I'll take it. Are you ready? <laughs> Please. Uh, does that have, it has to be one thing? Shoot. No. Oh. Take it any way you want. You, um, got two and a half, you got two and a half minutes. Go, yeah, baby. Yeah. Health and wellness. I think, I think that um, cellular devices are ruining the youth of America, the, the youth of the world. And I think the mental health, the systemic failure of mental health that's becoming a crisis. I, ta- I spent a lot of time with my um, my uncle cousin and his wife. They're in education and they were telling me atrocious things about two-year-olds that come to school with, two and three-year-olds who come to school with phones now and their parents are completely detached and talking about, you can't take this device from my child. And they're like, is this really happening? And so um, I, I knew it was bad. Like we've, we'd have conversations about this before, like 
just inattention and, you know, the, the, the thieving of their attention or, you know, whatever attention they put into it. But I think if it's getting to a point where, I mean, I couldn't even imagine a, a setting like that where children of that age have devices and what, what that's going to put onto the tax of their mental health as, as they become our next generations. I think that's the, that's a big thing people should be aware of and, and looking at. So mm. you are a Nostradamus that ties into an answer of mine for another question on the Ooh, list. You've yeah, thought about these ahead of time. Of course I have. I know you have. So when I was a kid, I was a huge football fan and I still am. But and there was a wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers by the name of Jerry Rice. Mm. And at the time, he was – it wasn't even close. He's the best receiver to have ever touched a football then. Back when it was a, a running league, this guy was yeah. catching passes at a rate that most receivers aren't today, and now it's a throwing league. Is it the Joe Montana days? Yes. Yeah. And people didn't stop talking about Jerry Rice and what he could do. With that said – I still think Jerry Rice at the time was incredibly underrated and not talked about enough. Hmm. So take that to when I was a kid watching cartoons, and I just remember over and over again seeing these anti-tobacco ads. And I think it was from the state of Massachusetts. They had these ads called Truth, and they had a bunch of different things. I Just from watching TV as a kid, I learned that smoking was really not a healthy thing to do. So to answer this question, what is something that more people should be aware of that they're not talking about? There is talk about this, but not to the level that it should be. People didn't talk about Jerry Rice as much as they should have, in my opinion. People aren't talking about this as near, nearly as much as they should have. And that is vaping with young kids. I think where you're at a developmental stage where you're rebellious and you want to do something you're not supposed to do, and back in the day when we were growing up, maybe it was cigarettes or weed or whatever. But this vaping thing is so addictive and so accessible and to get addicted to at a very quick rate and so very, very difficult to break that I don't think we're talking about the severity of what vaping is doing to kids even close to enough. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't know if there's a lot of anti-vaping ads, but I work in a high school and there's still not enough talk chatter about what we could and should be doing to educate people on the realities of the unhealthy world of vaping with kids. Hmm. Okay. I agree. It's funny when you get old, you just kind of decouple from it because you're like, oh, that's, yeah. the, that's what the kids do. <laughs> so right. you, you, gotta, yeah. you have this weird span because you actually yeah. watch what the kids do. It's, it's I, think, I think kids that don't mean to get into that kind of thing, just try it. And it doesn't take long before you're addicted. When you're addicted, you're addicted. And that's mm. what addiction is. And um, I, it's, it's crazy to see. Do you Cra believe – can I ask you a clarifying question? Of course. Do you believe or, or do you even think it matters um, – the, that vaping will be more derogatory to one's health than cigarette smoking? I actually have not. I don't know enough to say. Yeah. I, I can't answer that with any anything empirical Yeah, other than um, it sounds to me like from the people that know their stuff that I've talked to that it sounds like, yes, <laughs> it could be, but I, but I can't say with utter certainty. Yeah, cool. I think the big pitch on it was it's not as, uh, it's not as unhealthy for you as smoking cigarettes and, I think that that's doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> yeah, well, the tobacco companies had to keep selling their wares. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. No, it's so true. From Joe Camel to cotton candy, <laughs> it's it's a far stretch, but not really. Okay, next. All right, next question. <laughs> I love this. 
This is going to make me sound really old, but I'm going to say it anyway. Blank, blank, blank. Oh, man. (laughs) You go first. Okay. Uh, You foreshadowed mine with your answer to number one. So in our country, you need to be a certain age to be allowed to do certain things. And if you're not that age, you could probably do it, but it's really not easy to pull off. Some of them you just can't do. Like you have to be 18 to join the military. There's kind of no way around that. You got to be 18 to be joined the military. You got to be 18 to vote. No way around that one. You got to be 21 to buy alcohol. People can skirt that and find their way around it. You have to be 24 to rent a car. There's probably ways around that that people could find. I believe that there should be a law that's enforced somehow <laughs> that if you're under the age of 18, you cannot access any form of social media. Hmm. So that's basically saying, Phones need to go back to flip phones where you can call mom and dad. You can text one person at a time, <laughs> no group texts. And when you're when you turn eighteen, you can access all your Snapchats and and all the other things. Um, the destruction that I see with social media with with middle schoolers and high schoolers scares the crap out of me. This kind of ties back to number one because the posture that these kids have when they're using their phones or picture picture their phone is down by their belly button. So their chin is against their chest and they are slumped over in a way that, that is so unhealthy for the physical being of their upper torso and their posture. So it's not only breaking their mind, but it's also breaking their body. It's like a, a double whammy. And I think if we were able to, I would love to make a law that you can't use your phone unless you're holding it up as high as your chin. So at least, <laughs> <laughs> so at least then you have good posture. But but literally, you you couldn't access social media until you're 18. And obviously, there'd be ways around that. But I think in general, that would be cool. I'm hoping that like the parents of my daughter's friends, there's like this like wave of parents that are like hey let's all bond together and like not get our kids cell phones until a certain age and that way that way not one or two kids is outcasted but like a dozen kids are all kind of suffering without a cell phone together that's interesting so i like the chin i'd like the chin law i'd like to see that (laughs) so Uh, i sound really really old by saying that nobody should do social media until 18 but i think it would be very helpful huh I have as good of an answer as you. Like, they, you know, I, I, like I can't even. Like, I could. I could ponder that for weeks before I came up with something. <laughs> I may sound really old saying this, but I'm going to say it. I, I find myself in parenting having that thought, or, or I, I don't know if I've ever made that uh, assertion out like directly, like that one. But, <laughs> but I could. I could go for one. So uh, this is going to make me sound really old, but I'm going to say it anyways. This is not the way things worked when I was younger. <laughs> and so, like, well, I don't like things know. work on electricity now. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, or like I don't know. Hang with me for a minute. So, uh, like, uh, what's a perfect example? Like when I was younger, we would stay out until the streetlights were on. When I was younger, we didn't get to sit and play video games endlessly. Like when I was younger, we had a pager. Like there was so many differences. And so when I say that, it's like it's like the it's like the red flag of awareness. It's like nobody wants to listen to what's going to come out of your mouth next. <laughs> what you you're like, that. but you yeah. know what? I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. So I don't know. Yeah, there's a whole host of those. But um, to to the point of the cell phone thing, it was funny. I, we spent some time in um, 
on this trip, the second night we stayed with this this family. Well, it was just a, a pair of um, older individuals now. Uh, Scott and Mary was their name, and Scott and Mary had four children who are now you know off in their twenties or thirties. And he told me that his sons, uh, if they wanted a phone, they had a flip phone. Yes. And when you were eighteen, you got this phone for emergency reasons, right? And then when that uh, when that kid left the house, which is another interesting thing, they called it um, breaking the plate. I've never heard anybody say that before. <laughs> and so when they broke the plate of that kid, right, which basically means you don't you don't have any plates here, so don't come here to eat. Yeah. He, he would hand <laughs> off that cell phone to the next sibling, same number, <laughs> same everything. So he had to carry the garbage of the people who might call it. And this went on for four kids. Oh, oh I thought it, it was the funniest thing. And they're middle of like. <laughs> you know, nowhere in the, I don't know. It was just so strange to hear that story, but yeah. When I first decided that that question was going to be part of the show, my immediate response was, I'm going to sound really old, but I'm really happy that I grew up pre-internet. Like, I just think the quality of my youth was awesome. Like, I love it. Love it. So did you, ever, this is, we're going way over five minutes on this. Did you ever do this? So at my school, there was a payphone. And I, when I needed a ride, I'd call home collect. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. My name would say, "Can you come pick me up?" Uh-huh. And if kids, if you don't know what that means, you can Google it. Call and yeah. collect. <laughs> Overloaded the connect call. Was, uh, I saw a, a, a payphone somewhere. Oh, at the um, Puyallup Fair is like the Washington State Fair. I was sitting there, and there was an actual payphone on the wall, and I picked it up, and it had the dial. I couldn't believe that's it. That's amazing. Was, yeah, yeah, I was amazed. Anyways, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, we saw a payphone in Hawaii this summer, and I had yeah. my daughter pick it up and took a picture with her because I don't know if she'll ever see one again as long as she <laughs> yeah. lives. Yeah. Sure. All right, question number three. All right. What is one life decision that if you could take back and redo, you would? Mm. Now, the stock answer to this is, oh, I wouldn't take anything back in my life because I learned everything. Yep. And, and, and that's all well and good, and that is the truth, and that's a great mindset to live by, but that's not allowed in this answer. You ha- mm. there, has to be, there has to be one. What is one life decision that if you could take back and redo, you would? Do you want me to go? No. Good. I don't. Oh, I don't know if I take it back. That's the funniest part. I've I've answered the question, like you said. I, I've I've had this question asked the other way, and, and I did eventually answer it the way that you you've noted that a lot of people answer it. Um, there was one time, <laughs> one time my sister, me and my sisters used to get into like bloody throwdown sibling battles, and. This one time, my sister was doing something, my oldest sister, and she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this egg. And I was like, well, if you eat a rye, I'll eat a rye. And my grandparents lived in the backyard at our home when we were kids. Not in the backyard, but in a home in the, back, in the backyard. And so my parents would often spend time over there, and then we'd be at home alone screwing around, you know, and doing what siblings do. And so she eats this egg, you know, just cracks it in there, pops it in. And then I was like, I'm not eating an egg. I don't know what you're talking about. So she chased me around the house, and in front of the um, fireplace, there was a slate floor, you know, so the so the you know, the embers wouldn't fly onto the carpet. So I had my socks on and I slipped and I fell and I hit my head on that slate. And I hit pretty hard, but I was just like, I'm going to lay here with my eyes closed for a minute. And then I thought, I'm going to lay here with my eyes closed for a little bit longer. And then pretty soon it was like, she's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to milk this. So this went on for like, I don't know, in, in my mind, it seemed like, you know, 15 minutes. Maybe it wasn't that long when I was a kid. So she picks me up and she's, She's like, oh man, I'm gonna have to take him over to my grandma's house. Like, I did something because he because I chased him around, and she still talks. She was just telling the story the other day, and 
and she's like over 50 and i was like really like that affected you that much she's like man i swear if there's ever a chance that you're <laughs> that i can get you back for that i was like cause as soon as she took me outside i was like aha jokes on you and so i started trauma. oh yeah she was she was a little tired of that but uh i would probably take it back but but i it's so funny that it still comes up but yeah <laughs> she didn't she didn't enjoy that yeah that's my answer cause for conversation with your sibling even now. <laughs> yeah for sure we used to, when I was a kid, I had a tree house in the backyard and we had it, tons of pine trees. So there was tons of pine cones and we used to have pine cone fights where we would just chuck yeah. pine cones at each other. For and sure. one day I was up in the tree house with my friends and my brother and his friends were down. My older brother, his name is David, uh, we're, we're down below and we were chucking pine cones and I don't know what I, what happened, but there was a rock on the floor of the tree house and I didn't think, and I just picked it up and just uh. chucked it at my brother and hit him right in the side of the head and it didn't knock him out. But he's a way, he was a way faster runner than me. And I knew I had to get out of the treehouse or else he was going to come up and crush me. So I yep. jumped out of the treehouse and started running. And it was just a matter of time. Every time I look back, he's a little bit closer. Yep. And he caught me and he rolled me over onto my back and he pinned my arms underneath his knees and he just wailed on my face over and over and over again. So uh, again, like I, it was a lesson learned, but I probably wouldn't have thrown the rock. But my real answer to the question is, I did four years as a full-time snowboard instructor here in Vermont, and one of my life goals was to spend a winter out in Colorado. And for one reason or another, each winter, I kept coming back to Vermont, and I, I wish that I'd spend one of those winters out mm. in Colorado. It's like one of those things is you don't regret the things you did do, but you kind of yeah. regret things that you, that you wanted to do that you didn't do. For me, in my 20s, spending a winter out in Colorado was something that I always wanted to do, and I just yeah. didn't do it. Well, you still got time. Yeah, but I don't have, that the, <laughs> have the lack of fear for snowboarding that I did then. Uh, yeah. yep. I won't try stuff now that I would have tried back yep. then. But I didn't have health insurance back then, so maybe it was good that I didn't go. Maybe. People would say, do you have health insurance? I'd say, yeah, I look both ways before I cross the street. Right. Left and right, then left again, actually. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Number four. Yes, number four. When was the time when you were the most physically uncomfortable by choice? So not an accident you were in or a sickness that you had or an injury that you had, but when you chose to be in a very uncomfortable state. You go. So one would think that it was from my bike ride across the United States when we did 118 days in a sorry, we did four days in a row of 118 degrees through Southern California and Arizona. That was close. <laughs> yeah. That was very close, but the physically the most uncomfortable I've ever been by choice was at my L1 <laughs> seminar to be to get my my CrossFit yeah trainer cert. They did a a Fran oh. lunch break, and I'd never done CrossFit before or Fran before. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But it's a workout that has a bunch of squats and overhead presses and pull ups. And, um, I did it as fast as I could being extremely inefficient with my movements. And I was pretty sick a week up, up leading up to that and hadn't eaten a lot. And I've never put myself in a place where my head was spinning and my, my body was just so, so physically uncomfortable. It took me two hours to get over that. Like normally you get that like really uncomfortable feeling for like 30 seconds to a minute after you mm -hmm. like go really hard for a sprint. It, it was in that like crazy uncomfortable state for like over two hours. And I called my school nurse at the time. I was like, what do I do? She's like, lay down and put your feet up. I tried that. Uh, oh, I tried everything and I was just, it, it hurt so bad. <laughs> so I, they put a time cap on the workout at 10 minutes and I did it in nine minutes and 59 seconds. So I was really psyched. Like that's why I poured everything into getting that 10 minute time. Cap. Yeah. 
and you know, and I've done that workout now since in under three minutes. I was gonna it, felt say, fine. it felt fine two minutes later. <laughs> yeah. But the first time doing it, it yeah. was it was so bad. That's funny. It was really bad. I can imagine. Welcome to CrossFit. And after that you knew it, you're like, Oh, I gotta do this all the time. I think I I think um I think that I think that the third marathon I ran, I was like, I, I'm not there's there is no reason to put your body through this kind of stress over and over and over again for an 85 cent gold medal at the end and a, and a half a banana. Like that's just stupid. And so I, I remember thinking like, you know, I really like to run and I, I do like to run, but I was like, but I don't need to run this far. Like I just, I, it should have been a bucket list instead of a multitude, a, a multiple, multiple attempts. Gotcha. So the last time I put myself into it, I was like, I'm not there. There's no reason. And, and in fact, my buddy Carlos, he just started running. He was like, oh man, let's go do a marathon. I was like, I'm not doing a marathon. He's like, come on, one, just one time, it's just a marathon. I was like, I told myself a long time ago, I'm not running another one and I'm not running another one. So, what was the pain? What, what, where it's just, it's just pain? like your, like your hips start to hurt and you're like, you know what to expect after the first one. So it's like you're, you're uh, purposely putting yourself into this situation, but for yeah. what? Right. And then, um, and it gets hard mentally after a while. Like, I mean, it's always hard mentally to push yourself like through those kind of limits for yourself, but you know, especially when you're like, man, I'm really tired. Why am I doing this? And then your body, you know, maybe you should slow down a little. Maybe you should walk. And it's like, no, no. So I don't know, but not mentally. It was, it was physically like I, I was in pain about my hips and legs. So, yep. Huh. But you got it. You got your 85 cent. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was great. Award and uh -huh. your half banana. Uh -huh. And my mylar, my mylar blanket. What's <laughs> yeah. up? All right, so last one, and we can kind of go a little bit longer on this one, save this one for last. What is something that you've recently learned and found yourself thinking about or reflecting on? Oh, you want me to go? I was just letting you think. I oh, don't I was get thinking. In the yeah, way of your uh, thinking. Yeah. Can, I, can you re-ask a question? Something you, here, let me try. Something that you've recently learned and found yourself uh, pondering or contemplating? Is that what it is? Correct. Um, yeah, well, with the situation that I'm dealing with my parents, I find myself it's nothing, something that I've, I guess I'm learning. Um, I'm learning what to think about death in an accelerated fashion for myself. So like what's, what'll be the markers of knowing that's coming? What will be the things that maybe you can do to hold those off? Like, because it happened so, it seemed so quick to my parents for me that I'm like, wow, like how did you, how did that sneak up on you? <laughs> and so learning that and now thinking to myself, I always have to be diligent to look if, if, if even we are able like to see like when it begins to slip a bit like, and then what are you going to do or what can you do or how can you make that different? So not a, not a long answer, but. So when you say death at an accelerated rate, as in like yesterday you didn't realize death was imminent and all of a sudden it is, is that what no, you mean by I've it? No, I've always known it was imminent and I'm very comfortable, I think with the fact like i can accept the fact that we're all i mean pretty much as soon as you're born you're, you're dying a little bit every day so it's i've never had a problem with like the whole you know deaths like coming or you know like the acceptance of it but i think um it's more of how do you get to a, a state where suddenly you're so fragile that you didn't foresee that happening in a day you know and I, like oh and not like in a i fell and broke my hip kind of way but in a like suddenly something's been stolen from me that I didn't really notice. And now, and now it's at a breaking point and you wish you could look around and go, Oh, I saw that coming, <laughs> you know? So mm. maybe a hindsight kind of, thing. yeah, that's mine. I saw a, would you rather question the other day? It said, would you rather know when you're going to die or know how you're going to die? <laughs> I thought that was brutal. Yeah. That's pretty tough. 
we don't have to go there, but I yeah, just I yeah. saw that one and I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. at least if I know how I'm gonna die, then I could do a bunch of risky things and knowing, well, I won't die doing this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could insulate myself <laughs> from it by doing other things than that. Yeah. Unless it's driving, because <laughs> you're like, okay. Uh, yeah, how about you? What do you what do you got on that one, Pete? Uh, mine's a little bit of a longer answer, so I'm gonna ask you to hang with me. Yeah, please do. Okay. I'm preaching to the choir here with you, Todd, but I think there's some listeners out there that that could uh, take a little something away from this. So in order to make fitness gains, in order to enhance our fitness capacity, in order to enhance what we can do physically, we have to go through a process. And that process is stress and then recover. And when you recover, you what we call super compensate. So in order for me to become more fit, I have to subject my body or induce some sort of stress on my body, aka the workout, ask my body to do something that it's not used to doing so that my body says, holy crap, if he asked me to do this again, I'm going to be more prepared. And your body will overcompensate. It, it, it won't just bring you back to the level of fitness you're at pre to the, before the workout, but it'll bring you a little bit beyond that so you're a little bit more fit when it recovers. When you're actually performing the workout and inducing the stress on your body, you are not building fitness. You're not becoming stronger. In fact, you're breaking your body down. It's when you sleep, you eat well, that recovery process is where the super compensation happens and you become more fit because of doing that workout. As you say, you stack a bunch of wins or you stack a bunch of workouts together and over time, those micro gains result in a higher level of fitness capacity. So when I talk about how I want to be a better version of myself or how I'm trying to school some of my struggles or navigate the things that are coming my way, the challenges that are coming my way, I try to think of how can I take what I've learned as far as fitness gains and transfer it over to mindset gains, right? So when my mind is challenged by something, whether I choose to challenge it or not, maybe it's something that's put on me or if it's something that I decide to take on, I'm stressing my mind. In order for my mind to become stronger and to supercompensate, my mind needs to recover. And yes, I can sleep and I can prioritize sleep, and that's a big part of that process. But how can my mind or how can I put myself in a state where my mind has the chance to process what I've learned so that I can apply it or be better down the road? And you suggested one of the ways I can do that is to spend more time myself and keep myself. Or, or have or put myself in a quiet place where I can spend time myself, and I've tried that with the driving. That's why I led this episode off with that mm-hmm. anecdote, and and I struggle with that. So what I'm learning is just like fitness, where I need to induce stress and then recover to be better. I need to do that with my mind. I need to induce stress and then recover to be better. But I'm really struggling in ways that I can recover with my mind and with my mindset to be a better, more strong-minded version of myself. Hmm, interesting. I've known this physiological fitness enhancement piece for a while, but I haven't really linked it together and said, oh, well, I I could and should do the same for my mind. And I'm very comfortable with what I know that I need to do to enhance my fitness capacity. I mean, I know I can read self-help books. I know I can go and do yoga and I can meditate and I can have awesome conversations with people like you and do these things. And I think that those are all pieces of my puzzle. But what I'm reflecting on and thinking on is how can I use that mind recovery process to be better? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, 
I'm stretching and stretching my mind each day at school um, when I'm reading stuff, when I'm listening to stuff, when I'm thinking about how I can learn something and teach other people to apply it to their lives. But yeah, the the recovery process for my mind is not so strong and I'm trying to figure out ways that I can I can do that with without putting too much pressure on myself to learn and grow. Right? Interesting. Like, oh, I got to learn and grow. I got to learn and grow. Well, there's, there, there's the inducing stress part, but how can I actually re- recover from that so that my mind can be stronger? Well, can I ask you some questions about that? Absolutely. Like, what is the measure of of stronger mind? That's a good question, and I don't think one that I can give you a certain answer to. But I think it's that I'm more at peace with myself. Peace doesn't mean that we don't have problems. Peace means that our problems don't have us. Mm-hmm. So how can I not let? How can I work to not let the challenges or the problems of life get to me? So if, if I can get through my day and feel peaceful throughout my day, feel joyful, feel soulless without being rubbed or my feathers ruffle, ruffled by stuff that if I were mentally stronger, those things wouldn't ruffle my feathers. I think that's my measure. Wow. So, so if I find myself getting upset, impatient, or frustrated with, say, an action of my daughter uh. or something else. I mean, so here's a great example. I'm old school. Hey, we talked about being old a little while ago. There's a there's an old stand-up arcade cabinet in my school where you can go and play old school video games. And there's a Miss Pac-Man in there. And I grew up playing Miss Pac-Man and I loved it. And my goal each year is to set the the new high score. So I'm basically just trying to beat my old high score because nobody else in the school trying to beat that <laughs> score. Yeah, right. And every time I play Miss Pac-Man, I walk away frustrated because I didn't beat my score. And I'm like, it like it it eats at me for you know, a couple minutes or whatever. And then I go on with my day, but it's like, if I was mentally stronger, I'd play Miss Pac-Man no matter what my score is and walk away a happy dude. And it's that, maybe it's that competitive piece or maybe it's, I, I don't know. I'm just not as, as mentally strong or as at peace with myself or my day as I want to be. So I know that doesn't give a. No, that's fine. No, I get that totally. That's, that's yeah. That you articulated that well. I, I wonder though, <laughs> As you were talking, I was writing down some notes. <clears throat> Notice that. It's a strange thing that I do. With all of the things that I know about Peter, it's funny to hear you say that because we've talked about, I mean, one is your, so the first thing that's came to my mind is, you know, if you, if you, if you want to sharpen the, the skills of new things that you learn, teach them to other people. Obviously you're a teacher. Yeah. So you probably, yeah. you probably do that really well. And I see you do that over a long, like the long effort is to teach them, you know, how they can be stronger and better, you know, all these different things. But then I think to myself, if you're struggling with how to feel at peace, and that's a learning part. So I understand that. But, I, but I feel like what I heard you say was I struggled to be at peace with the, with the pieces of myself that maybe, um, I, I dislike or I like less, like, Oh, my daughter's irritating me. And I respond in this way multiple times. And I know that I could do something better. Right. And I wrote down, aren't those instances or opportunities to look closer and learn? And the goal, maybe the goal could be to closer look for the lessons within those things. Because they're always going to have, we're always going to have this thing that I didn't like or thing I like less than, you know, this other thing. So I want like, yeah. So it's hard to unwrap like what the piece means, like the peace or the joy or whatever that that truly feeling of tranquility is. I think that that's. Yeah. I like that you shared that. That's cool. Because often I find myself going, Oh, you just need to be better versus, oh, what did you just learn from that? And yeah. like, there's a piece of me that knows, like, I should learn, like, you definitely that's know what it. I should be doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I don't, but yeah. I don't follow through. Yeah. 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 Or it's hard. It's hard. To, it's easy to lose 
focus of that. Like that's the first thing that goes like, oh, I should be learning. Oh yeah, whatever. You should sit down and not jump on the table. Like that's what should be happening. But, and and yeah. oftentimes I'll, I'll react rather than yeah. respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 10 seconds later, I'm like, oh crap, I yeah. could have done better. Well, then, yeah. yeah. Then I would yeah. say maybe where you can find joy is in narrowing that time, that response, that reaction time, right? Like, oh, I know in real time. Cause I don't think we ever really get there. Like that is truly like, you know, that's what people go and sit on mountains for their entire life to become. Right. You know, <laughs> and I don't even know if they ever find it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah, was really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's funny because a lot of times you share things that are um, things that I don't outwardly see or project and it's cool to get inside mm. your head sometimes. I, lo- I love the five by five. I think it's fun. Yeah. Good I stuff. like that we merge the five into the six and then and then it <laughs> eventually <laughs> turns into the eight by eight. And then, you know, that's where we go. Um, <laughs> I meant to... <laughs> I meant to mention this when we first started. We would love to hear from you. Schoolingstruggle at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Give us ideas of things you want us to talk about. If you have people that you think would be awesome guests, if you think you would be an awesome guest, reach out to us. We're also in the process of formulating a newsletter that goes out with each episode, and we'd love to build a list of the dedicated listeners. We're looking through the analytics, and our team of listeners is so loyal it's really really special so it's pretty yeah, awesome super grateful for that yeah and if you scroll down the show notes so <laughs> for those that don't know when you click on the episode there's all these words underneath the episode <laughs> the those are the words. show notes <laughs> todd works laboriously to get those out to labor at the very bottom of that you can click on something to give us feedback too. So that's another way to, to get Indeed. to us. So we're, we're slowly building ways that we can interact with our followers because y'all are awesome. And we're super, super psyched that you are willing to give up your attention and your time to <laughs> listen to the two of us banter. Chubbity, chubbity, chubbity. We also have uh, Instagram. You can go there and leave, uh, leave things as well. Facebook. Yes, that's yeah. that hasn't really launched, but there, no, but, but I it's mean, there. It's, it's there. Yeah, it's there. schooling struggle on all the typical social platforms. <laughs> uh, with that said, we so very much appreciate your ears. We thank you for your time. We are grateful for your attention. We are the Schooling Struggle Podcast. We are out. Bye bye. See you later.